I'm not as strong as I used to be, but you know what? I'm still and I'm still going to be the best version of myself that I can be every day. What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are mine and those of the guests. Today, we had the pleasure of sitting down with Dan Kerrigan and Jim Moss, uh, some seasoned fire veterans to talk about firefighter functional fitness. A great conversation about health and wellness and some specific tactics uh, that are contained inside their book. Uh, it's a great episode. I uh, hope you enjoy. Today we're on the line with uh, Fire Chief Dan Kerrigan, and uh, he is resides in Upper Providence, Pennsylvania. Uh, this gentleman sits on uh, IFC boards and speaks internationally. He's about 33 years in the fire service. And we've got also Captain Jim Moss, uh, works out in the St. Louis, Missouri area. Uh, co-author of Firefighter Functional Fitness. Gentlemen, welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. So I would love for you guys to share a little bit about a little bit about who you are and, and, and where you come from and what your background is. And, you know, why don't we start with you, Chief? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I recently got hired last year in uh, Upper Providence Township, which is in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. I'm right outside of Philadelphia area. Uh, I live kind of close by there as well. So I've been pretty much around here most of my life with the exception of a couple of years when I was down in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina as a firefighter down there for the city. Um, as you already said, I'm, I'm obviously <clears throat> um, well entrenched in, in uh, firefighter health and wellness. It's pretty much within my fire service. It's within the fire service. It's been my passion for years and uh, try to do just whatever I can um to stay in my lane that way and, and, you know, do whatever I can with my experience and, and my resources to help firefighters, uh, responders in general, um, stay fit and healthy. Uh, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about, we'll, uh, you know, it, it all is predicated on the, the notion that, that, uh, health and wellness fitness is a requirement of our job. And, uh, so there's a big motivational piece that comes with what Jim and I do as well. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. I'm excited. Jim? Yeah, yeah. My name is Jim Moss. I'm a captain with the Metro West Fire Protection District, along with Dan. I'm the co-author of Firefighter Functional Fitness. Um, and as for me, I've been in Metro West for just over 12 years, been a fire fire officer for uh, over five years there. Um and along with Dan, we're just passionate uh, about a, creating a healthier fire service. We all know that um, uh, the fire in the fire service, there's an epidemic, a cardiovascular epidemic, an obesity epidemic, a cancer epidemic. Uh, and, and we just want to offer any knowledge, any resources that we can provide to help every single firefighter one by one. Uh, whether that's our book or workshops or social media posts or articles, whatever it is, uh, we just want to offer whatever we can to help each individual firefighter become healthier and, and, and doing that, helping the fire service as a whole uh, get healthier. Um, and so that's our passion. That's uh, where we started, uh, I guess. Dan, we started back in what, 2015? Does that sound right? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, so many, many moons ago, many years ago, and uh, we're fortunate fortunate to say that uh, our book, Firefighter Functional Fitness, is now in over 40 countries worldwide. Wow. And Amazon, Amazon number one bestseller. So we never thought, for one, we'd ever become authors or write a book. And it's uh, we're blessed to say and honored and humbled to say that, uh, you know, the 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 reach that our message has had is is uh, pretty awesome and it just blows us away. And we continue to have people share messages with us on social media and, and, and the like, just telling us that a simple little post or a little challenge we're doing uh, has inspired them to just take better care of themselves and take ownership of their fitness. So um, we're just uh, blown away by stuff like that um, when we get to hear that. Uh, little simple things we're doing uh, is are inspiring other people to to become better and take ownership of their own health and fitness. When you said 2015, I immediately thought to myself, "Wow, that's that's really not that long ago." <laughs> <laughs> but but it really, you know, time man, time flies. The uh, uh, what um, you know, it's it, what caused you guys to 
to sit down and say, hey, we got to put this together now. You know, I feel like there's there's always so much uh, information that's out there. And what drove you guys toward, hey, we got to make one that's functional, that speaks to the firefighter? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we actually were posting separately. We didn't know each other, but we were posting uh, on social media, uh, on our own accounts individually, uh, just how the importance of fitness for firefighters and, and firefighters taking greater ownership of their fitness. Uh, we are posting simple ideas, workout ideas to uh, make uh, fitness practical, task oriented, job specific and functional for firefighters. Um, and so we were doing that individually. And then Dan reached out to me uh, via just a private messenger. He's like, hey, man, I like what you're doing. I like your message. What would you think about writing an article uh, for fire engineering? Um, and that's where it all started. I was like, sure. Uh, we started writing our, our article and that basically became our four pillars. Um, and we also included within the article the uh, big eight concept that is in the book as well. Um, and so we wrote that article uh, it had very, it was very well received, uh, with the fire engineering community. It was one of their, I think, highest read articles that year for them online. Um, and then we said, all right, well, with our big eight concept, let's start writing an online article series, uh, that, that goes along with the big eight. We'll just do an article for each uh, of the big eight segments and, uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so we started doing that and, uh, lo and behold, uh, uh, we said to each other, this has to be a book. Yeah, pretty soon you uh, had a book just uh, already written, right? Practically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, we, it we, was we, a joke, right? And then it yeah, it curious. was a joke. And then we're like, we actually got to do this. So, I mean, we, we, we were like, okay, let's do this. Uh, so we got with our publisher, Firefighter Toolbox, um, and uh, we, the bar ball started rolling uh and then you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours later uh hours later uh you know blood sweat and tears uh we we finally got it done and we put it out in june of 2016 uh so about a year later after we had uh, kind of connected and wrote that article for fire engineering oh, that's awesome um so yeah and then we we're fortunate to say we we've also been able to speak at fire departments all over the country and Dan's even uh, shared our message over in the UK, which is uh, nice. pretty awesome as well. Uh, so you never know uh, what's going to happen when, when you're passionate about something. Well, I think it's, I think it's tremendous that you, when you, we start to put it out there and share the message with people, you know, did you feel like it was pretty well received? I mean, obviously I don't it's a, think that there was, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think it, we were even surprised ourselves. I remember saying to Jim, uh, a lot of times during the process of really of writing a book and editing and all that, that, that there really wasn't anything out there um, at this point, you know, in the fire service, how could this still not have been something that right. somebody else thought of already? Right? right. And, and, and I mean, not to say that there was nothing out there, but there wasn't anything necessarily that in our view that was making a, an, a huge impact or a huge connection with the fire service as a whole. Um, I did a lot of research and it's, it continues to be very important to me to, to make sure people understand, uh, that, that our book is not just about how to work out. There's so much more information in there. And, and for me, it was, uh, a huge educational and research process that literally went on for years before we got to the point of meeting and writing the book in, in terms of just how few firefighters actually understood even what was killing us or, or, or the hazards that we faced and how they related to our bodies and our physical conditioning and, and our overall health, not just while we're on duty, but into retirement as well. Uh, so there was a lot of drive in that, in that respect as well, uh, to, to be educational about it and get people to realize both within and outside of the fire service that, you know, while there are occasions where firefighters get killed on the fire ground, the vast majority of the, the deaths that occur uh, in a fire service in terms of line of duty deaths really revolve around our own poor health. Um, right. And so we were very surprised that, that you know, I actually was kind of scared, to be honest with you, that put all that work in. And I was thinking we're going to get about 90 percent done and somebody's going to come out with something. 
<laughs> it's already, it's already being worked on in the underground, right? <laughs> right, yeah, but but I mean, it, it's so I guess I'm not surprised that it it's so well received in that regard because right. uh, one one of our one of our tenants, if you will, is that look, we're firefighters. I know I'm a chief, but I'm in a small department. We do everything. It's not like I drive a desk every day of the week. You know, we, we were out there doing things and um, we came up through the fire service, you know, and, and worked our way up and uh, both of us. And, and so, you know, the book being written for firefighters by firefighters, I think hopefully adds a certain level of credibility yeah. as, as well. Uh, and and so we, we just try to be real and be, you know, humble and, and be realistic. And, and, and I think if you put a good product out there that, that helps people, then it, it it takes on its own wings, if you will, and, and does its, does the job itself. Yeah. Well, and I would I would say I think you're hitting an interesting mark because the or even the timing of it's relevant because you're seeing um, I feel like we're seeing a change in the fire service. When I first got on the job, you know, it was uh, you know uh, lasagnas and uh, giant trays <laughs> full of you know unhealthy food and now i'm seeing salads and uh you know lots of uh healthier versions of of those same meals right so i'm trying to think of some uh, it's really early right now my brain's not quite turned on oh, I'm, no, trying no. To, I'm trying to think of some like good healthy meals to, to suggest here but but my point is is that we're seeing trends where people are eating much cleaner much healthier much more mindful about uh their health and wellness right yeah. Yeah. And I think that largely goes to uh, the culture change and culture shift that you're seeing. And and, and I like that you brought this up uh, because not only with fitness, um, but overall the health and wellness uh, mindset and nutrition, it all it always within a firehouse or on a crew. And, and I'm speaking from my company officer uh, perspective right now. It always starts with an individual, right. Mm. Uh, who, who's wanting the change and, and, and whether that's fitness or nutrition or whatever, it always starts with that individual and their po- positive peer pressure. Right. Um, so for me, I do most of the cooking on my crew. Um, and so I like that because, um, it, it allows me to have a little bit more control over what we eat. Um, and so we do, uh, two hours, uh, I'm sorry, we do two day shifts. So 4896 oh, is right. our schedule. And so I always tell my crew, I will cook one of the days and someone else uh, cooks the other day for dinner. And so one of my rules, and they all know it and they make fun of me, but one of my rules when I cook is we're always going to have something green on our plate. So, <laughs> okay, mom. and that's not, gr- that's not green. That's not green jello. You know, that's that our Mountain Dew. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, you know, some Brussels sprouts or fresh green beans or broccoli or yeah. asparagus or, or the like. Um, yeah. So it's just small things like that. Um, and, and when you, uh, you cook them well and you, you share them and they're like, Oh, can you do that again? You're like, for sure. Um, so, it, and that's whether we're talking about food on the plate, uh, what we're cooking for dinner in the firehouse, or we're talking about a workout. It's always those small positive changes, um, and that positive peer pressure that we can share, uh, with our crew members or, or at the individual level, um, or on a broader basis within our shift or our fire department, um, even just posting more, you know, I'm a foodie, uh, but even posting more food related photos on, on firefighter social media, people are like, Oh, can I get that recipe? That looks awesome. Right. Um, so just small things like that is, is what's shifting the culture, um, uh, all across, uh, the, the U S fire service and beyond. So I, I think that's a really interesting piece that you brought up there, which is the, um, as a company officer, being able to shape uh, some of the culture in your firehouse. I actually just had a conversation the other day about station environment was kind of the, the topic. And we talked about yeah. how you, you know, can build the culture in an organization. And the one of the principles that was discussed the most was setting an example. And, yep. you know, you can't you can't extol the virtues of something if you yourself are not going to live those virtues. Right. Uh, yeah. So let me ask you this, and, and and chief chime in on this because as a chief officer, can you shape mm-hmm. the organization's culture? Like, I mean, that that's a very big beast, right? Changing culture and change. I mean, I, I know we're shifting gears here, but I think it really is relevant to to this movement, right? How do you lead this movement? Um, you know, you well, start, start at the house, right? Set an example, but then what? 
It does. It, well, I mean, the, the company officers and the firefighters need to know that their that their fire chief, that their administration supports the and and supports the initiative and and lives by that as well. I, I mean, you. It's not that if Jim were a company officer in a department that didn't place big emphasis on health and wellness, that he wouldn't still do it, and he might have a small group or create that little bit of a a, a change locally, if you will, but um, a lot of my time uh, is spent trying to convince or give evidence and, and direction to fire chiefs and the like as to how how we can, we, we have to be, we have to walk the talk, I guess is the best, right? Yeah. You know, we have to, to let our folks know from the top down that this is a priority in our fire department. Yes. The, the health and wellness of our people is a priority in our fire department, and we have to demonstrate that personally as well. And when you do that, I think they they understand that it's not just something being forced upon them. It's something that the entire department uh, is taking part in and that, that the, the administration cares about uh, cares about its folks. You know, I've, I've said it a lot that we spend uh, a lot more you know, time and money on, on preventive maintenance for our apparatus than we do our own people. Right. Right. And there's, there's proven, there's proven data. Um, if you're a data person, we can give you all the numbers you want about how health and wellness programs, you know, uh, increase efficiency, decrease costs, yeah. uh, uh, in a department and all that. So, you know, we, we know that if we take better care of our apparatus, it doesn't cost us as much to keep them on the road. Right. Yeah. They and live so longer. that preventive maintenance. It's a given, right? But we don't do the same thing, generally speaking, with our firefighters, and right. we should. And that's kind of a, one of the messages we're, we're, we're trying to push at the higher levels, if you will, at the organizational levels, is if you put the money into the preventive maintenance of our people, you're not going to spend a lot of money and time and heartache, if you will, on the other end trying to get them fixed and keep them healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can add to that, um, you know, Dan, Dan is huge on this and, and, and so am I. Uh, we talk about this all the time and you alluded to it, uh, when you first asked Dan the question. Uh, but it is, it really is all about example, uh, because without your own personal example, uh, there is no credibility, right? For you as a leader in your, in your organization, whether, you're an informal leader, whether you're a company officer or a chief, uh, like Dan. Uh, I love this quote uh, by Albert Schweitzer that says, example is not the main thing in influencing others. It is the only thing. Um, so whether we're talking about fitness um, or we're talking about something else, uh, it, it all comes back to our example. And then to add on to that, uh, one of your questions uh, was, what else can we do besides leading by example? Um, I think the, the simple thing, like we already talked about, is that positive peer pressure. Uh, so for me and my guys, the simple question of asking them sometime, usually earlier on in the morning or getting closer to lunchtime, is simply asking them, hey, what time do you want to work out today? Not do you want to work out today, uh, but hey, what time What time are we going to work out today? What, and, and what kind of workout do you want to do today? Uh, you know, whether we're going to do something in the apparatus bay with like a circuit or we're going to go uh, in the gym and, and uh, do some strength training or whatever. Um, so I think that positive peer pressure and that giving that expectation, and that's one of my expectations for my, for my crew that I give at the beginning of every year written down for my crew is that we will work out uh, once a 24 hour shift unless call volume uh, prevents that. Right. Uh, so making sure as leaders, it's one part of our expectations Two, we're encouraging and using that positive peer pressure with our people on a daily basis. And then lastly, like we already said, example is everything. So leading by our own personal example as well. Yeah, I love that. You know, one of the things that I think is is critical that I will add on to that is helping people understand why it's important. Because if, right. they, if they don't have an intrinsic value set to it, then it doesn't really carry over necessarily, yeah. right? And that's so yeah, that that all ties back to to, the, to some of the the things that we talk about in the beginning of our uh, our workshops and so forth, where we mm. we present a lot of the, the 
the research and the, and the, the, what's known about what happens to your body and yes. how your body is affected by strenuous firefighting and all, all of those risk factors that um, are incredibly drastically multiplied uh, by just what we do for a living. And granted, we, we accept and understand that we're, we're going to be taking risks in our, in our jobs and that's fine, but there are a lot of risks that we can control. Um, and our, certainly our health is at the top of that list. And so when you relate the why it's important first, it's easy then to act after that to, yeah, creating show, that to do the how and the what. Yeah, <laughs> yes. absolutely. And it's, it's interesting when you talk about trying to change someone's behavior, you can, you can set a great example. You can, um, you can pound the pulpit, but until they truly really realize the value for themselves and truly understand the underpinning uh, mechanisms for it or to understand the, the consequences maybe of what's going on they're, 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 it's hard to get them on board um, which is which takes me right back to your book which is what I love uh, about what you guys did and why I wanted to talk to you guys because you you said you put into the book here not only just say hey here's some things you can do but here's why it's important you know specifically right. when you talk about hydration which I know is toward the back of the book here but when you talked about hydration I'm like Okay, hydration. But you actually went into the, the physiological components of it and why this is why hydration is so important to your physiology and your performance and your health, like all all these different metrics that are relevant. Yeah, so yeah, everything's connected, right? Right. Yeah, we didn't we didn't connected. just want to say, hey, drink more water. You know, like right. you're saying, we have to we have to show people and convince people of the why. Uh, and it's pretty crazy as you're as you're you know mentioning it. It's crazy how dehydration affects our bodies mm-hmm. and, and how and how proactive hydration or eudhydration, as we put it in the book, makes such a difference. Uh, it's kind of like uh, in the fire service, we like to say what? It's better to be proactive than reactive, right? If you're reactive, you're behind the ball. And the, and the same goes goes for uh, our hydration. We need to be proactive in, in making sure we wake up, we drink. You know, we'd like to say two cups of water when you first wake up or a big glass of water. And then before your workout, after your workout, during your workout with each meal. So, you know, okay, we try on. and get those. Can I ask you a quick question, Jim? Is that before yeah. or after my first monster? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, before, <laughs> during and after each monster. How about that? Uh. <laughs> we, we won't even get into all that. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hot button right there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's funny. That's one of the things we talk about in our in our workshops is is it used to be um, that you know firefighters drink coffee all day, right? right? And some still do. Yeah, and they don't drink any water. Uh, <laughs> and it used to be that firefighters would drink soda all day, um, and 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 it used to be that firefighters would drink uh, you know whatever all day. But now it's starting to be, and I see it in my fire department, and you guys can speak to, for your own. But, yeah, those energy drinks, man, yeah. they are definitely starting to creep up. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and they're starting to take over. So mm. we all have our vices, right? Yeah. You know, um, But uh, if we can balance out uh, one less monster or whatever it is a day and one more glass of water, uh, that, that, that can be a positive change yeah. that we can all strive towards. I don't know if you guys saw this at all in, in your agencies, but we had a, a, a period of time, and I think it's still happening, where you'll have uh, the Red Bull girls would come around uh-huh. with their little Red Bull car and give out <laughs> cases of energy yeah, drinks. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, all yeah. The, I mean, all the different companies are doing the exact same thing, and they show up with these college girls, and they show up with cases of this stuff, and they load it in the fridge. And you want to talk – I mean, firefighters are all about caffeine anyways, right? You had a bunch of sleep-deprived – uh, guys and gals trying to stay sharp, and, yeah. and what are they going to do? They're like, "Oh, wow, free caffeine!" And then they get the the hooks get in them, and they're addicted. You know, it just becomes a thing. And, yeah. So, thanks, marketing. Yeah, directors. And, and so maybe we should be we should start. And as we talk about in our book and our workshops, maybe we should tar- start talking about um, su- successful strategies for better sleep. At, at least when yeah. you know for for at the station. Uh, as well as at home where we can control right. it more and more well, uh, as opposed to, you know, burning the midnight oil uh, and only getting four to five hours of sleep when we're off duty. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother topic. Well, you will. So that's it's I'm glad you brought it up. We're kind of I'm kind of we're going to go backwards into this, right? Because we're starting at the end of the book here where you talk about um, rest and recovery. So let's talk about that for a second. I underlined in in uh, 
in your chapter 13 here, underlined rest and sleep. And I'm like, right, those are two things that we do not get enough of. So how, how do you think that, that, I mean, how's it possible from your perspective? Uh, yeah, I think we say it, but uh, how do you do it? Dan can, Dan can chime in here. Um, but, uh, uh, I think when we, when we present it in our workshops is take advantage and control the things that we can actually control. Right. So I think nowadays more than ever, I think one of the big things that's really affecting us, um, and and I'm mainly going to speak, and and this may apply to on duty as well, but when we're off duty, the amount of screen time that we have, especially at night, and I think we're all guilty of it. Everyone on this call right now, right now is, is looking at our screens too late at night. Uh, we like we like to pr- promote that. Try to not look at your screens and that blue light uh, from our screens, our tablets, our phones, etc. Um, at least an hour before bed. Try not to look at them at all while you're in bed. Um, and so we, you can do the research yourself uh, about how that affects us in our circadian rhythms and and, and all that. Uh, but that's one thing that we can do as well. And the other thing is that naps both at the station off duty um i think that those are something that has gotten i don't know ridiculed or chastised or gotten a bad name for it but if you if your body feels tired and you need a nap take one it doesn't have to be a three-hour nap because that might not be good for your your nighttime sleep but you know 20 to 30 minutes throughout the day if you can uh, is going to boost your alertness, uh, your mental acuity, and your overall, you know, performance throughout the day. Um, so I think those are two things, uh, just looking at screens less, especially at night, and then also uh, don't feel bad about taking a nap when you can. There's a there's a, a philosophy or an approach that, that you know, we, we try to, uh, to impart. That and and again, I think this goes back to the fact that because we're firefighters, we you know I, I know I've worked on some incredibly busy companies on twenty four hour shifts in my career that that sleep wasn't even an option uh, to be quite honest with you. I mean, there were literally times where we were up for twenty four straight hours yep. uh, running calls, and and so I understand it. Jim understands it, and so the philosophy then becomes you do the best you can on on duty. Right. But but your emphasis really, really should be when you're not working, that you need to do everything you can from a a philosophical and an approach standpoint to get at least eight hours. Try to get at least eight hours of rest, restful sleep a night, you know, when you're not working. All right. And you can control that a lot more than you can control what happens on duty. So what are you doing when you're not working? What are you doing when you're at home? You know, what are the stimulations that, like Jim pointed out, that you can you can avoid or eliminate, you know, in an effort to get, you know, good restful sleep? Uh, and so I, I try to make sure that the focus, you know, is is on what your what your habits are when you're not working, because we know that we don't we don't control how many calls we're going to get when we're on duty. Right. Yep. Yeah. And if I can add to that, uh, exercise, I mean, that's another thing I can tell the days, uh, if for some reason or another, if I, I don't exercise, um, it takes me longer, uh, to go to sleep and I don't have as good a quality sleep. So I think exercising has been proven through research that, uh, you know, if you get a good workout throughout your day, you've had some good physical activity, uh, you're going to fall asleep quicker. Um, and that you're going to have a more restful night's sleep. Um, the other thing is to what we tell firefighters, if something's wrong and you're like not you, you think you got eight hours of sleep last night and you feel terrible, you know, maybe you have sleep apnea or something like that. So yeah. maybe go go get a, a sleep study. There's no shame in it. I mean, maybe they're going to find that you have sleep sleep apnea or something else that they can correct. Um, and that's going to help you change everything. I mean, because how terrible is that if you try and get eight hours of sleep, of uninterrupted sleep, and you wake up every single day feeling terrible, you know, um, and, and it turns out you've been depriving yourself of oxygen <laughs> right. for eight hours while you're sleeping at night. Uh, you know, maybe it's time to change that and it, it will bring a world of difference to how you feel and your overall health as well, your cardiovascular health and more. 
Right. Yeah, that 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 continuous sleep deprivation just sets you up for all kinds of uh physical maladies and emotional maladies. Like it is not yep. sustainable. Um yep. and then, you know, you're gonna stop working out, you're gonna stop participating with your family, it's gonna it's just ugly. Um and in a real, you know, death spiral in my opinion, uh for someone's health and, and wellness. So let me t- let me take you back to the kind of the, the early part of your book here. Um, Dan, you, you said something in the in the front of your book that I, I completely related with. It's you said, and I quote, uh, my 40 year old body could not compete with my 20 year old brain. <laughs> and I found, I've said similar things. And as I've aged and, you know, it's it's a real problem because you, you get to a certain point where you're you just can't. You, your body just starts to change and it's normal yes. and it's hard to accept, but it's real. And, um, and, and I think if I remember reading correctly, like that's kind of when you decided to make some changes. Is that right? Yeah. It's, um, you know, as teenagers, you know how we feel like we're invincible and nothing can happen to us. I think as firefighters, we carry that same, <clears throat> excuse me, that same mentality throughout our careers. Uh, and, and, you know, I was probably like many, many firefighters out there across the country in the world that as a younger, uh, aggressive guy was out there, you know, we, I was lucky enough to be, uh, a part of agencies that were, that were seeing a lot of work back in the, in the day. And, and, you know, it was just something that we were used to doing and it didn't really affect me in terms of, uh, recovery, especially, right. Yeah. Um, until that point where I kind of, I, I, we were involved in a, in a pretty bad uh, arson crisis in a, in a small city that I, I lived near uh, where we were, we were going out literally almost every night. Um, sometimes multiple times a night. Sometimes there were more than one fire at a time at the same time in the city. Uh, and what I really noticed was that I, I wasn't recovering from the, that activity as quickly as I used to. So it was taking me two, three days sometimes to get myself, my body physically to feel like, I was recovering and, and, and I realized that, you know, as I said, you know, my brain still thinks I can do what I did when I was in my twenties, but <laughs> at that time I was in my forties or whatever. And, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore without taking better care of myself. You know, I have to, I have to be able to do this every day and recover quickly and do it again. Yeah. And I wasn't being, I wasn't having a hard time keeping up with that. And that, that was one of the eye opening experiences that kind of pushed me to, you know, getting on a regular program and, and taking better care of myself. Dan, have you crossed this bridge yet? Or, uh, Jim? Uh, yes, I, I am. <laughs> I'm, I am continuously crossing this bridge as we speak every it's day. It's a long bridge. It's a long bridge. Uh, uh, Lord willing, it'll hopefully be longer. So, uh, no, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I am turning 40 this year. Um, oh, and welcome yes, to the club. With, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the more gray hair I get, the more uh, my crow's feet around my eyes uh, be- become apparent. Uh, yes, I realize it more and more. I can't. I'm not as strong as I used to be. But you know what? I'm still and as we promote in our book. I'm still going to be the best version of myself that I can be every day, you know? So, uh, maybe I can't bench, uh, you know, 200 and some odd pounds anymore. It's not necessarily one of my goals anymore as it was in my twenties. Um, okay. but maybe I can do, uh, uh, less weight, more reps. Right. Uh, so there's different ways around it to, to stay fit. Um, and I think that's as we get older, um, we have to, uh, and, and even when we're younger as firefighters, but as we get older, we realize the importance of longevity in the fire service. And that's one of our mm-hmm. goals is to have career longevity and longevity in our, in our retirements as well. Right. Not yeah. just, uh, being the firefighters for uh, who we all know, uh, die one or two years after their retirement and aren't able to enjoy their retirements or their pension. Yeah. Uh, but for for us, yes, that is one of our huge goals, not only fire ground performance, uh, but promoting longevity and helping firefighters to be able to be in this job job for the long haul. Because we're not like you said, we're not always going to be 20 years old um, yeah. and we're going we're gonna to be turning 30. We're going to be turning 40. We're going to be turning 50, sometimes yeah. 60 uh, being in the fire service. And we need to ma- we need to adapt uh, our fitness, our nutrition and, and more 
even our sleep, as we talked about, uh, yeah. to maximize our, our performance and, and what we can do and to be able to get, be a good team member uh, for our, our crews and fire departments. What I can tell you, too, that it, from a from a we said earlier, you know, how everything's connected. Um, certainly as a fire chief, uh, I have different roles and responsibilities than a, a line firefighter. But, um, you know, it's important to, to remind everybody that your mental or behavioral well-being is positively affected by by the exercise routine that you and your activity as well. So, uh, you know, I find that the stress sometimes of being an administrator, if you will, um, is is definitely helped by you know, getting on the rower and doing something like that for a half hour or whatever, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot more oh, yeah. in terms of me- mental and behavioral uh, health as well. Uh, that, and especially now in these times with the, with the coronavirus stuff going on and everybody's stressed out to the max and, and all that people need to be reminded that exercise is your friend and it's a way it's an outlet and it's a way to relieve stress and pressure. Uh, and I use that certainly uh, in, in my position as much as I can. Absolutely. I love it. That's, that's such an important part of just that overall balance, right? Trying to keep the, the spokes on the wheels all tuned just right to keep the wheel true and straight. Uh, if any one of those elements gets whacked out, then the wheel starts to wobble and it, that's, that's not sustainable. <laughs> it's just not, you know, what's interesting is as, as we age, uh, you start to see so many, uh, changes and they, and I don't know about you guys, but I was certainly surprised, um, you know, one morning I'm feeling great. And then pretty suddenly I, uh, getting out of bed hurts and I'm like, what, how, how am I not? <laughs> what exactly? hit me last night? Yeah. And, and, and those, <laughs> those changes, you know, the metabolic changes, the physiological, all those different physiological, you know, changes that start taking place. You start to gain weight. You, you know, you can't lose weight as easily, blah, blah, blah. Right. There's this whole yeah. list of things that start to change. And even the stress management changes, right? Cause your roles and responsibilities evolve, you know, like, like Chief's saying here, and that is a, um, you know, I, I found myself saying, you know, when I, I had a couple of staff assignments now, and in those staff assignments, I found, you know, you dig into the work because you're, you're a go-getter and you want to be involved, but you, it's really easy to get overwhelmed with the volume of work and, and work yeah. just never ends, right? And it's, that's the thing I think that's a, a shock is that, hey, tomorrow the work will be there. And so you have yeah. <laughs> to set aside some time for yourself. Otherwise, it, it can get away from you. Life can get away from you and, and your fitness exactly. and health. Like, we like to say it's all about finding that balance, right, within your own life. Uh, you know, the work will be there tomorrow. Um, what's, a good, what's a good goal to have today while yes. I can still do healthy things like uh, spending time with my family, mm-hmm. um, spending, spending time exercising, spending time, you know, doing whatever you like to do uh, to make sure that every day, uh, it's not just a unbearable grind, but it's it's you're taking time to take care of yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally. Mm-hmm. So, finding that balance. Yeah. Well, so speaking of balance, let's talk about the the kind of the core concepts that are in the book here. So, you talk about the very first thing that I come across is the four pillars. So, physical fitness, rest and recovery, hydration, nutrition, and lifestyle. And and I like the way you coupled some of those things. So, talk to me about how you arrived at those four pillars. I think that, that the key point that that comes with and over top of all of that and the things that we want to emphasize is that um, good health is not just about going to the gym and working out. I mean, most people that know that know us or follow us probably relate us in some form uh, to to exercise and and movement and mobility and working out and functional fitness, right? You know, when you hear the term functional fitness. Uh, or the concept, the first thing that probably comes to mind is getting in there and, and working out. But functional fitness is, is a, is a lifestyle. It's a holistic approach that also incorporates those other pillars that you mentioned. So doing one isolated from all the others, uh, is, is not going to be a great benefit to you, right? You know, like the old saying, you can work out six or seven days a week if you want and be in the gym all the time. But then when you go in the kitchen, if you, if you, you know, you're eating 17 pizzas, you know, a day, you know, you're, you're not going to have a, much of a positive effect on your overall health. So what we want to emphasize is that 
it's it's a, it's a, a comprehensive holistic approach to your to your your health your overall lifestyle it's it's and that's exactly what it is it's a lifestyle it's not a a two-week fitness program it's not a diet it's not a fad it's a way of life and it needs to incorporate elements of all of those pillars in order for you to get the most uh, benefit from it nice so when you talk so let me break it down for me a little bit when we talk about the physical fitness what what are you incorporating in that well, physical fitness for us is is all about function and performance uh, versus uh, the traditional um, aesthetics, uh, what you look like, and and numbers on the scale and things like that are not as important to us as well as, as much as um, being able to be a better performer on the fire ground. So everything from a fitness standpoint, uh, and and you you brought up the, the the big eight concept. Everything in the fitness standpoint revolves around uh, functions or replicating things that we do. Uh, as as firefighters uh, so um, to, to quickly break it down the big eight is has obviously eight components three of them what we consider like foundational uh, components uh, core strength cardiovascular capacity and flexibility so those three are sort of our foundation if you will mm-hmm. and then the other five we try to keep it as simple as possible hey we're firefighters right so keep it simple um, functional strength uh, it comes in five different components, push, pull, lift, carry, and drag. It, it can't get more simple than that to us because those are the things that we do on the fire ground a lot of times in conjunction with the others. And so everything that we do in terms of improving our physical performance relates to at least one, most of the time, more than one of those components of the big eight. So when you're in the gym, when you're working out at home, wherever you are, your your focus should be on accomplishing you know, improvements in one or more of those areas, depending on what you're doing that day in your regimen. Well, what does that look like? So let's talk about programming of that. Or what, is, what is that when you talk about push-pull? You're talking just basic, like uh, push would be bench press, sled pushes, uh, any type of resistance-based pushing, or is that what kind of programming you're talking about? Or does it matter yeah, to you, so- like, hey, here's the concept but you can, you can yeah. execute it in any way you like. Yeah, so within the book, uh, within each of those categories of the big eight, uh, we gave a minimum of, of 10 exercises or movements that would apply uh, to that. So if you are talking about um, the push section for functional strength, yeah, we, we keep it really basic. So push-ups or like you said, yes, you can do bench press or standing standing cable presses, overhead presses, um and the like. So, uh, you know, we could definitely go on with more than 10 exercises within each, uh, but we, right. our book would never end if we tried to incorporate every single exercise for right. uh, pushing and everything. So yeah, squats are included in that. Um, so any type of movement that would directly relate, um, to uh, a fireground uh, performance or movement. So we also have exercises like ladder raises. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, to where you can do like a beam raise or a rung raise for a ladder, which is similar to like an overhead press, uh, but you're also using your lower body to to raise the ladder as well. Right. Pulling movements uh, like a standing cable row um, or a bent over row, a lot of kettlebell movements that are going to strengthen uh, grip strength and pulling capacity as well. Um, so there's so many different options and variations with that falls under each. We just, one of the things like Dan mentioned, we wanted to get away from was chest day, Uh bicep day, calf muscle day, pinky day, you know, all those specific things. (laughs) And we're trying to, we're trying to make it more of a mindset of revolve your, your fitness. And specifically if we're talking about, functional strength revolve it around the movements that we actually do on the fire ground pushing pulling lifting carrying and dragging um, so uh, when when we think about it in that form uh, not only using uh, standard you know weight machines but but trying to do standalone movements with with more functional pieces of equipment like kettlebells dumbbells mm-hmm. um, sandbags slam balls, medicine balls, stuff like that. But in addition to that, using firefighting equipment for your functional strength training, ladders, hose, charge hose lines, dry hose lines, 
um, and, and, and the like to make sure that we're actually not only building functional strength, but we're also building muscle memory and skill uh, at the same time by using those those firefighting uh, pieces of, of equipment as well. Yeah. Um, so that's maybe one of the things that really distinguishes us as well is is kind of getting away from the physique mindset and going more towards a performance based mindset, like Dan said, and focusing all the movements, all the uh, different exercises that we can possibly do around functional firefighting movements that we can actually use on the fire ground. I like it. The, uh, one of the things I think is tremendous is the idea that, you know, when you talk, talk about the application to the work that we do, and if you think about, you know, uh, the, the fire ground and how, uh, unstable it can be at times, right. And, and you're working with, you know, you're looking up and working, looking overhead and working with your arms over your head and standing on, debris and 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 all kinds of garbage and you never know yeah uh, you know that 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 muscular uh what's what i'm looking imbalance for imbalance or, or yeah, the, you know how, yes. how we have to contort ourselves while yes. we have 70 pounds well, of gear yes. gear on <laughs> right and exactly. any, any and imbalance in your structure is going to get exacerbated when you are in yeah. those awkward positions right there's a exactly and and that's why one of the big concepts that's one of the first things we talk about in our book is in, under the big eight is core strength right. and, and and building that foundation. And a lot of people think core is just your abs, but we, we definitely dispel that myth and, and tell firefighters your core strength is not only your front abs, but it's all of your torso, even including your hips and your shoulders. Yeah. It's your front, your back, your sides. Um, so we're not only going to promote exercises that build your front core. Uh, but also exercises that build the posterior chain, your back, your upper back, your lower back, uh, your obliques, uh, your sides, um, and even exercises that are going to strengthen your hips and, and shoulders as well, because they're tied to closely to your core as well. We, you know, we like to say you can do bicep curls all day. You can do calf raises all day and all that stuff. Uh, but if you have a weak, compromised core, you could have the greatest upper body, lower body strength. And it's not going to make a difference because your your weak core is the weak link connecting the two, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you're not going to be able to drag a hose line the way you need to drag it without your core uh, being compromised and giving out. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons, like you said, we have, you know, we're contorted in weird positions. We're off balance on the fire ground. We have 70 pounds of gear on. Um, and so we need to make sure that our foundation is strong uh, before we start worrying about, uh, you know, doing those calf raises or, or bicep curls all day. Not that those things are inherently wrong within themselves. We just need to make sure that our foundation is, is strong before we can move on to those other, other things. Right. Yeah. In terms of how all that's connected, I mean, everything that Jim just mentioned and that you had, you had brought up when you talk about how we operate on the fire ground goes directly to our, mobility and flexibility as well so yeah that's so 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 important that and and i trust you trust me rather that when we go out and do these workshops when we ask somebody to raise their hand and or give us an idea about what their what their weakness is in terms of fitness almost invariably 100 percent of the time including myself flexibility is going to be the number one thing um you know and, and so we 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 a lot of time on that uh you know yeah, the injury prevention uh or reduction um core and flexibility go hand in hand um and and they're going to go a long way towards towards uh lowering the chances we're going to get uh we're going to hurt ourselves when we're operating in those unusual positions and elevations and so forth yeah right that's so so important if like Dan said, if we're lacking flexibility, what does that mean? We're lacking mobility as well, right? If we can't move right, then we're restricting ourselves, and we're going to put ourselves in a compromised uh, position that's going to lead to greater risk uh, and possibly greater severity of an injury. So yeah. everything, like we said before, it's it's comprehensive. Everything goes hand in hand, and everything's related. And that's what we're trying to convey to to firefighters with our our message. I love it. There's a uh... There's a track and field throwing coach uh, named Dan John. I don't know if you ever read any of his stuff. And um, great guy. But one of the principles that I picked up from him years ago, uh, he talked about uh, the beginning of track season. His throwers would come out 
And uh, he would say, you're not allowed to pick up a discus or a shot put until you can overhead squat your body weight for 15 reps. Wow. And the principle being the top and the bottom have to be connected and stable. Yeah. And flexible, yeah. right? Because to do an overhead squat, you have to have shoulder range of motion as well as hip, yep. hip flexibility and then uh, core strength and stability to be able to move. And I remember, yeah. I remember reading him say something along the lines of, if you're doing a bench press and I stab you with a fork in the leg, <laughs> you're going to drop the weight because they're connected, yeah. right? The top and the bottom are connected. So this, uh, the principle of, of flexibility and core is so right on point. Um, the ability to move your body in a, in a connected way uh, and, and with fluidity is so critical to, uh, to operating on the fire ground because you're going to be so doing it's fun, strange It's funny things. you mentioned him because in my earlier uh, years training with kettlebells, he was – his principles pretty much were front and center in, oh, in everything yeah. that I was doing. So, um, I, I trained extensively with a guy by the name of Pat Flynn. Um, oh, I know who, Pat. I've read of Pat. I've read you know, Pat. Flynn, yeah. So Pat's a good friend of mine. Right. And he was local here for quite a while where I'm, where I live. Uh, he's since moved away, but, um, we, we trained together on a daily basis. And, you know, so the, that whole, uh, mentality or philosophy that you describe, uh, really was kind of, center focus of, of everything that we were doing. Nice. Um, and, and especially when it comes to, to kettlebell, Russian kettlebell training, it's just, um, it's just really the, the whole basis for, for what we do, uh, uh, in terms of, uh, that kind of training. Yeah. Kettlebells is a great example of that ability to move and, and be flexible and connect the two together. So, so profound. I love it. Well, the, uh, there's, uh, I wanted to touch on, you know, we talked about rest earlier, but you brought something up I thought in the book that I thought was really important and I wanted to touch on. Uh, and this is really important because so many folks believe that um, that time and that balance is off, right? And you wrote in there, a one-hour workout is only 4% of the day. What we do with the other 96% of our time is equally, if not more important. Yep. And, and Good that, agree. yeah, and it's such an interesting quote because it's about perspective and prioritizing. And, you know, this is the, and this, this to me is, is kind of over oh, an overarching theme of everything here, because if you can't prioritize properly, your nutrition, your hydration, your rest, your exercise, your, your physical fitness, none of it's going to be, uh, functional if you can't it's all going to be out of balance if you don't prioritize yeah. properly and, and execute so i thought that was a really great statement this uh, your book is packed full of some really great stuff and pictures <laughs> yeah a lot of pictures over yeah, 100 there's yeah. some great pictures in here too so um fantastic fantastic book and uh although there's no coloring pages which i was disappointed in <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We'll have to include that in the next version, the next, the next edition. We're gonna. This is for rain right here. <laughs> uh, Maybe our logo. You can just color in our logo. There somewhere. you go. That's what we should have a color. We should have a <laughs> we'll coloring sure, contest. We'll make sure we put color by number too. So we'll, we'll add some numbers yes. in there and a little legend for you. Anyway, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Well, um, you know, I wanted to uh, touch on a couple things here. You mentioned, you call it in your, uh, in your four pillars, you call it nutrition and fitness or sorry, hold on. Nutrition, nutrition and lifestyle. And yeah. Li yeah. You call it nutrition and lifestyle. And I thought that was really interesting that you coupled the two together. So what was your thinking behind that? Cause I think I have a thought on it, but I want to hear what your, what drove you toward that coupling. That's Dan's baby. Go ahead, Dan. My thought about, um, coupling nutrition and lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we put yeah, so it's it's because because when you when you're when you're at, 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 on a daily basis, whatever you're doing from the time you wake up until the time you you go to sleep, all those little decisions that you make um, all kind of add up and and come together right at the end in terms of your overall health. So again, as I said earlier, if you use the example of uh, working out uh, religiously, if you will, and and doing your best to be in the gym, uh, you know, five, six, seven days a week, but then not not uh, backing that up with proper nutrition, which we should emphasize nutrition is just that it's not a diet. It's actually just about putting the right foods in your body from the right sources in the right amounts. Um, then, then 
if you're not doing that, then you're doing yourself a disservice. So your lifestyle, if you will, is a compilation of the things you do in the gym, the the things that you do in terms of getting proper rest and sleep, the things that you do uh, to make sure that you're putting proper, you're taking care of your nutrition. It's all comes together. Uh, and, and so life, lifestyle could mean one thing for somebody and something else for somebody else. But if you're working out, as I said, uh, religiously, but then you're going out and eating fast food as another part of your lifestyle uh, is, is fast food restaurants six days a week, then we have an issue there that we need to address, right? So, um, it, I think if, if I had to think of lifestyle, um, I think first in terms of how I, what I do is on a daily basis in terms of putting in my body and what I eat and drink and so forth. So, um, that's kind of where I come from with it. I don't know if I'm making sense with that, but yeah. I, if I, I can add to, on to that, Dan, as think about this is, is we may or may not work out every day, right? Right. And our workouts may only happen, well, typically only happen once a day and they may only last for 30 minutes at a time, right? But what are we doing <laughs> with the rest of our day? How many times are we eating throughout the rest of our day? We're probably eating what, five times if we're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then we're eating two snacks or something like that, maybe even more than that. Um, so that's why, you know, it, not to oversimplify and not to use the cliche, we are what we eat. But man, uh, we, we are going to eat every day. <laughs> we may not work out every day, but we are going to eat every day. And it is really a lifestyle. It's not a fad. Um, it's not something that we can only do for a week at a time or two weeks. The food choices, it's something that we have to build our lifestyle around. And I would say I'm fortunate enough to have a great wife who has helped me to eat healthier over the years. Um, in college, I ate absolutely terribly. <laughs> hmm. I ate, uh, you know, I was drinking two sodas a day. I was eating, you know, frozen pizza every single meal and, and canned, you know, Chef Boyardee pasta and all that good stuff, right? Um, but, uh, as, as you know, I've been married to her, uh, she's helped me definitely to improve my nutrition, not to say that it's, per it's perfect, but she's helped me with the little food choices that I can start to implement, you know, uh, every month, uh, maybe I make a change or every year I might make a change that I start to add something healthy, um, and take away something that is an unhealthy food choice. Um, so that's why uh, I think we we're, we're talking about nutrition and lifestyle go hand in hand because the food choices we make are, are that important uh, to everything we do. Yeah, I like that. I think it's uh, I would add that when we uh, are talking about the food that we eat, everybody responds a little bit different. There's a, a mm -hmm. book that was written a bunch of years ago called The Zone, uh, Dr. Barry Sears. And in there, he talks about how when you eat certain foods or foods, you have a hormone reaction, right? You draw, your right. body releases insulin. And when that happens, so he's, so he's equating it to a drug. He says, when you take a drug, your body has a reaction. When you, uh, a hormonal reaction. And when you eat food, you have a hormonal reaction. So frankly, food is a drug. And if you see mm -hmm. the way people respond to it, uh, with certain things, it, it affects your body. And so I think to your point, uh, everybody, you know, when I was 20, right, uh, my I could eat whatever I wanted and my body would process <laughs> it. And I was a lean, mean fighting machine, no problem. But by the time I flipped the switch and hit over, went over the hill on 40, things changed, right, metabolically oh, yeah. and, and physiologically. And so I think that each one of us needs is kind of an experiment of one. You have to be th looking at it from a lifestyle perspective. You have to be invested in what's taking place, what the outcome is, Um and, uh, and being deliberate and thoughtful about what you're putting in your mouth is a part of that and, and conscious about what you're doing, uh, yep. you know, in order to make yep. it, you know, lifestyle, like it's fo you're focused on it. You're, it's something you're doing, which I think a lot of people are just very passive and just like, Hey, whatever. And oh. yeah. And, and one of the things that is important to me, and we, we provide so many tips and tricks, uh, for nutrition to, to help, uh, firefighters and everyone, yeah. uh, make better nutritional choices. But one that really affects me personally is uh the out of sight out of mind principle mm. um and, and so and what to describe that is so if we have chips in the house or we have whatever <laughs> cookies or ice cream or whatever i should definitely be eating less of that needs to be in the pantry and not only in the pantry it needs to be in the back of the pantry where uh -huh. i can't really get to it i can't see it 
um, uh, and, and the foods that I need to eat more of, you know, fruits, uh, vegetables, uh, just healthy food choices. Those need to be out in the open and visible for me to see, because the more I see them, the more I'll eat them. The more I see my water bottle, the more I'll grab it and the more I'll drink it. Um, so that's one principle that is huge for my nutritional success is the uh, insight and out of sight principle. Uh, uh, just doing away with those foods, hiding those foods or, and, and better yet, not even buying those foods uh, uh, that I shouldn't be eating as, that yeah. as much. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of tricks, right? It's about making it easier for yourself, making the choice easier. So when you're having a moment of uh, uh, a moment of weakness and you're just cruising through the house, cruising through the fridge for no good reason. And uh, yeah you know, the, the pathway is set for you. You don't have to make a hard choice in the weak moment. Well, Hey, you know, as I read your book, I, I, I mentioned this before we started recording, but I want to, I want to touch back on this as we start to wrap up the, um, you guys wrote in your acknowledgement, some really great stuff, you know, you, you know, thanking, you know, friends and family and stuff as you guys wrote the book. And I thought that was the, you know appropriate, of course, because guess who's behind you all the way. You just mentioned your wife, right. Helping you make good choices. Um, huge part of, of artists, of our, uh, network is in, in our success is the network that we have around us. And, you know, one of your acknowledgements was the firehouse kitchen table and the brotherhood. And I wanted you guys to speak about that a little bit, because I think that the, the, the culture that we have is really important, uh, to our success on the fire ground and in our personal lives and our physical health, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that comes back to, like you mentioned, was is that firefighting is not an individual sport. It is a team sport. Um, and yes, we all have different ranks. We all have different responsibilities and roles, but it really does come back to the fact that we are a team, um, whether we're at the company crew level or, or bigger than that. Um, it comes back to owning the responsibility that we need to be there for our, our brothers and sisters. We need to be able to perform on the fire ground physically, mentally, and emotionally, uh, and outside, outside the fire ground as well, right? In the firehouse, we need to be uh, team members that can contribute to the team's success because it's not just about us. It's about everyone uh, on our fire department, on our crew, um, in our administration, and beyond. Um, so, I think when we start looking at ourselves and start leading ourselves and, and taking that accountability, which is one of our really big principles, uh, taking that accountability, having that ownership over ourselves, it makes it easier for, for everyone else around that. And I'll, I'll let Dan add to that. I know he's really big on accountability as well. Um, but I think it really comes back to just uh, making sure that we are there for our brothers and sisters and we are ready. We are prepared at the individual level. Yeah, it's a team sport, like Jim said, and and I think anybody that is serious about what we do knows that that not, not nothing that we do, uh, very minimal, I should say, if not nothing that we do in the fire service is done on our own. Um, it, that, that, that we're not where we are uh, in our points in our career without. Uh, at least some really good positive mentoring and support. And that support network goes far beyond just the physical act of firefighting and skills and things like that. And so, um, now we have to, we have to be accountable to ourselves. We have to be able to have tough conversations with other firefighters that we know, you know, maybe, uh, need a little bit of pick me up from time to time. We have to support each other in every way we can, uh, when, when we need that support and, and keep our eyes open. And I like to say, um, you know, especially as a chief now, I try very hard to, to see things through other people's eyes, not just mine, um, and understand other people's concerns, uh, maybe more so uh, than I uh, used to when I was younger. And I think that's important. And, and the folks, that we stay in touch with um, throughout the fire service around the country. Um, you know, we build that bond and that relationship and it's not just because uh, we want to help each other be better at putting a ladder up. It's because we want to help each other be better at life in general um, and support each other in that way. And uh, you know, it's always easier to do that with other folks that um, know what you go through and, and you know, know that the, the stuff that you deal with on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, it's just really important, uh, in terms of life in general, in my opinion. I love it. There's so much that comes off the, the fire, the, the firehouse kitchen table when it comes to, um, 
developing a well-rounded life, right? You, your lawyer, your doctor, your, you know, educator, your physical fitness guru, all right there at the kitchen table. I love it. Yep. Well, gentlemen, we're hey, all in, we're all interconnected for sure. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, well, Hey, so, um, if there's, if, if somebody wants to reach out to you guys, uh, connect with you, where would, or follow, uh, what you guys are putting out or where would they buy the book, et cetera, how are they going to contact you guys? Yeah. Yeah. If you can go to uh firefighter functional fitness.com is our website. There's tons of great resources there, not just information about our book, not just the opportunity to buy our book. Uh, but we have a couple special report downloads, uh, 10, mis- the 10 biggest mistakes firefighters make with their fitness and how to, uh, fix them or how to work on them. Uh, we also have an NFPA 18, uh, 1583 guide as well, uh, for firefighters and how to improve, uh, fitness, physical fitness programs at their fire department. So a lot of free downloads and good stuff, uh, on our website. Uh, if you want to email us, the best way to get both of us is firefighterfunctionalfitness at gmail.com. And then, uh, we are obviously on social media with Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at firefighter F fit. Uh, and we're putting out content every single day. We're, we're putting out physical fitness challenges, especially during this time of, of, of quarantine with the uh, COVID-19, uh, pandemic. Uh, so we're always putting stuff out there to help firefighters. Um, and, uh, we just want to thank you so much for the opportunity that we could be on your, your podcast. It's been a ton of fun and um, we could talk for hours and hours, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, hey. I, would, I would just add, I want to just emphasize to all your listeners that, that, you know, when Jim gives you all that contact information, don't hesitate to use it. We answer every single text uh, email message on social media. We answer everybody, uh, give us, you know, a little bit of time to get to you, but we, we make sure that you get a response from one of us, uh, as soon as possible. We really do just want to help. Um, and if there's some way we can help you or answer a question or guide you in some, some way, then that's, that's what we're here for. Wonderful. Hey, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and, um, and for what you're doing for the, for the brotherhood and for the fire service at large. Uh, such an important thing to, such an important conversation to have about, uh, physical fitness and health and wellness and, uh, surviving, uh, surviving an entire career. Really, really important. So I appreciate your time. We're all in this together, man. Thank you very much for having us. Right it was on. a lot of fun. Thanks again to Dan and Jim for sitting down and uh, taking the time to chat and discuss some of the concepts that are contained in their book, some of their personal philosophies about health and wellness, uh, some things that we can definitely uh, weave into our own life to help us be more successful and healthy. It's fantastic material. If you're enjoying the Firegrove Fitness Podcast, I invite you to go to whatever platform you enjoy and subscribe. Furthermore, go to Apple Podcasts, rate the podcast, leave a review, and or Shoot me an email, raingray at firegroundfitness.com. Shoot me your feedback, whether you love this podcast or hate it. All that feedback is totally invaluable, and I appreciate you taking the time to do it. In any case, take some of the wisdom coming out of the Firefighter Functional Fitness book. Imbue it into your life. Make yourself healthier, fitter, more prepared, more successful, and capable of the mission that we are set forth to execute. Now, go on out there and get some.